Hi, folks. Keith Jones for Front Row Knowles. We appreciate your listening to our podcasts and all the things that uh, go into what we do in terms of watching Florida State Athletics. But we would remind you that part of Florida State Athletics is certainly Seminole Boosters. Uh, athletics can't do what they do without the support of you and without the support of Seminole Boosters. So we encourage you, if you're not already a member, consider joining Seminole Boosters. If you are a member, consider increasing your participation. Without Seminole Boosters, Florida State Athletics is going to be run of the mill. With Seminole Boosters, Florida State can work their way towards elite. And oh, by the way, they're doing pretty good on the football field. They're doing pretty good on the pitch for soccer. Uh, and they're uh, getting ready to do good on both the men and women's side on the hardwood. Join Seminole Boosters, support Seminole Boosters, and continue to support Front Row Knowles. Go Knowles! Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Hey, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. Welcome to Front Row Knowles. Keith, good to see you, sir. You know, we used to, as we began the first week of February, we used to always talk about National Signing Day. And now we're talking about National Attorney Day, which evidently in Florida State's case is 365. Oh, the times have changed. I don't know if you've noticed, obviously, Florida State and the ACC are in the middle of it, but that's that's sort of our world, and it's certainly our sports world, where once we could get away from the world in sports, uh, that no longer is the case, Keith. I just wonder what what's the what's the equivalent of a stipulation agreement? I mean, I'm familiar with a stipulation agreement as a result of a divorce, but how, how do you get a stipulation agreement when you sever a relationship? I'm a little confused. I don't know. I I, I don't know. We we don't play lawyers. Uh, we're not lawyers. Everybody has opinions about this. The only thing we'll talk with Bob Ferrante about this. It's certainly the gloves have come off. I'll just put it that way. I'm told what little bit of um, chatter I still hear that um, the ACC office newly relocated to Charlotte um, is, is engaged in chatter. There's, there's conversations going on. I'll just leave it at that. It'll get worse before it gets better. Uh, the question is, how long do we have to wait? That's really what we all want to know. How long do we have to wait till we till we get to some sort of resolution on that? That's that's coming at some point. Keith, uh, we'll we'll dive into this deeper, but uh, Rick Stockstill, your former teammate, your classmate, is now part of Mike Norvell's staff. Uh, unbelievably excited for Rick and and for Sarah and the family. Uh, I think it's a great hire by Coach Norvell. Uh, we we knew. Even even when he was a freshman, a sophomore, and a junior, running the scout team, we knew that Rick was going to be a coach one day. And 40 years later, uh, both at uh, the, the the Division One level as an assistant and almost 20 years as the head coach at MTSU, um, he's proven he knows football, he understands football, he can explain football, he can teach football. I mean, I'm unbelievably excited about him being associated with Florida State. I'm not alone in this and what I'm about to say, but 
obviously he's wired for X's and O's and being a coach because he coached long enough as a head coach. I don't know what he made, but he doesn't have to work right now if he doesn't want to, but he's jumping right back into the game because he's one of those guys who's going to be talking ball, right? It, it's in his blood. It, it's in his, it's, it's what he does. It's who he is. Uh, he can't, he can't get away from it. And, and again, repeating, I'm unbelievably excited with him being here. Do you want to go on the record about when you guys faced off and scrimmages here and there about whether Rick got KJ or KJ got Rick more frequently, or are we just going to let that lie and have to pull out the, the old film from underneath the stadium? KJ consistently got Rick. Oh, okay. You said that with confidence too. There's no question. Any any uh, battle tales you'd like to share there? I will just tell you that even when I got him, there would be a play later on in the scrimmage when he would he would uh, extradite himself. He he was a competitor, absolutely a competitor, and uh, and um, I just love him. I'm sorry. I'm so biased, it's not even funny. He's my boy. Understood, understood. All right, uh, our boy Bob Franti will join us next on Front Row Knowles. Stay with us. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, it is time to open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And we say hello to our good friend, Bob Ferrante, our Osceola insider. Bob, how are you, sir? I'm good. I wonder what future conference we are ensuring the coverage of with Florida State Athletics. Well, I was going to give you guest choice on what topic to, to dive into first, but maybe you just answered it. I mean, we have, we have, Keith's quarterback, Rick Stockstill, now on staff. We have some of the newcomers meeting the media on Tuesday. Or we have ACC at FSU, where it would appear that we've gone to a cage match now and the gloves are definitely off in this thing. Your choice. AJ, what do you want to do? I, I say let's go to the cage match first. Ooh. All right. What, what do we think? I mean, we were we were just kind of warming up there. It's it's feeling pretty personal here, guys. I mean, it you... is it is unbelievably personal, and and based on and by no means am I as plugged in as I once was, but everything I'm hearing is that the conference office was blindsided by this amended complaint, and and everything now is gone beyond personal. I don't know if that's good or bad. Yeah, all's fair and and love war conference breakups and lawsuits. There's got to be something. stipulation agreements and a divorce, which is what this is going to be looking like. Well, isn't this the way these things go? One side sues another, both sides are upset, then they get more upset, and then at some point they figure out, even if they're not happy about it, that you either go all in and go all the way to trial, which nobody goes to trial, or at some point you got to swallow your pride, cut your losses somewhere, and you and you settle. And in the end, do we have a all expense paid vacation to Charlotte if the ACC gains venue of this lawsuit, where we have to cover this day after day after day, or or is it going to be in Tallahassee? It, it's going to be 
I think buckle up because we're in for a long ride. I don't see this thing ending anytime soon, whether that's fortunate or unfortunate. It's, um, but it, it's gotten really interesting with what Florida State put out in this amendment, just because you're truly citing that not just John Swafford, but John Swafford's son had a role in, well, the finances of, of the ACC and how much each school gets paid because John Swafford's son works at, at Raycom as an executive. And there's quotes from a story that is in the FSU amendment saying that, um, you know, John Swafford, John Skipper, then of ESPN, talked at length about how they wanted to do things and that it was John Swafford's preference to, to have Raycom part of the future of, of broadcasting ACC football, basketball, Olympic sports. And John Skipper saying, okay, then that's what we'll do. So that's a very interesting part of a very lengthy amendment. And there's a lot of meat there. Um, but now to the question of the meat, what do the lawyers think? What do the judges think? What What's legally there that they can analyze and say, that whatever breaks the contract that breaks the fiduciary responsibilities whatever term we're looking for it's all like a, a motion right now but but where does it come down to the legal argument and, and, and guys full disclosure i may have to recuse myself because when fsu terminated their sun sports sunshine network agreement i entered into a two-year agreement with raycom to do ACC games of the week that were sub-produced through Fox. So I'm, I'm potentially culpable. I benefited from the cozy brother-in-law deal that was extended to Raycom. So, so am I supposed to just completely recuse myself and not say anything going forward? Or, or am I culpable? Am, am I going to be named in the lawsuit? Do I have a problem? Yeah. I, I was just going to suggest, Keith, that people had forgotten about your two-year award-winning career with Raycom, but now that you've brought it up, you have been added to the lawsuit. Yeah, so congratulations. for Thank you for disclosing that here on Front Row Knowles. Well, thank you very much. Bob, to, to, your point, to, to both of your points, uh, I'm not a lawyer. I have no, what, no idea what's legally admissible and, and how, how that will all go. It definitely has gotten personal. I think that the, you called it a cozy relationship, Keith. Florida State would probably choose different words than that, but I think that's that's at the very least that's a pretty apt description. I think if you if you separate the mechanics or, or the specifics of this lawsuit, the cozy tobacco road relationship that the four schools in Carolina have had, and the, it, it just has contributed over the years to Florida State feeling like an outsider. I've even heard from somebody that at some of the conference meetings, I don't know if it's AD meetings or uh, or, or other, they have uh, faculty rep meetings, you know, coach meetings, that, that the league even refers to like the inside schools and the outside schools, meaning the ones that are close geographically to the conference office and everybody else that's an outsider. So I think that's just sort of what FSU has felt like for years. And, and this is the one thing, Keith, when we have Joe Zagaki on from Miami, it's one thing that FSU and Miami share because he feels exactly the same. Miami feels exactly the same. And I'm sure if you got BC and Syracuse and the outside schools on, they'd have that same sort of sentiment. Again, that's not specific 
to the the uh, what's in the lawsuit, but it's just kind of been there percolating for thirty plus years. And one of the outside schools is trying to bring this conference into football prosperity, right? I, I mean, all jokes aside about Miami, I think this is in part about the brand that Florida State brings to the table. So in part, Clemson wants to know what its brand looks like moving forward too. I think Clemson's doing a wonderful job of staying silent currently, and, and we'll see at what point they decide to speak up. I think maybe they're sitting back and, and trying to figure out what things look like legally. But boy, I, I feel like we're just getting warmed up. I feel like this thing is going to take on another level eventually, but it's just a question of, of where does it go? Well, the short term, the short term downside for Florida State is that despite the 2024 schedule in which right, wrong or different, the ACC chose to feature Florida State on a Labor Day night broadcast. I think every other program, including football in 25, needs to recognize that whatever, if any, special favors were extended to Florida State, if at all, by the conference, are now gone. So you you just need to buckle up if you're a coach and understand that your schedule, to any to any degree, the ACC can do something to penalize is too strong a word, but to... Um, not favor Florida State. Every everything you might have had in your quiver is now gone. This is personal. The counter to that, Keith, is simply that if you, uh, I'm struggling for the word, but uh, if you're punitive in your scheduling, if you're the ACC to Florida State, while the lawsuit is going on. That will then show back up in FSU's next amended complaint about the treatment from the ACC. There, there's always that possibility, but I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I, I when when they announced the opponents, not the schedule last week, but in October when they announced the opponents, uh, I would or or even before that, I guess it was just when Cal and Stanford joined the league. I I kind of thought to myself that FSU would come back from Dublin and they'd send them to Cal the next week. And then they'd give them a week in Tallahassee with a home game. And then they'd send them to Stanford. And then they'd give them a week at home. And then they'd send them to SMU. But alas, I actually like the schedule this year. I mean, we talked about it last Don't get good. used to it. Don't get used to it. Oh, the real question is how much longer is there going to be an ACC schedule for FSU? And that was a point there, too, in, in this this amendment, that the, the legal argument, let's just say that, that that's what it is, that – the grant of rights could expire in 2027 because in their view, the Florida State's view, ESPN has the unilateral option to renew this contract up to 2036. And we've kicked this around numerous times, right? Does ESPN want to be in the business of broadcasting the ACC? Are there other conferences and other pro sports that have other programming that they are happy with? And the argument against it is the ACC is a value property, if you want to call it that, because it's it's low-priced moving forward. You've got a channel, a network that on-site is being produced by the schools. You've got, you've got some big questions here in the next year that could be answered. So truly, according to this amendment, in February of 2025, one year away, we could have a very big decision. What does ESPN choose to do with this option? I 
I don't have a good feel for which way it could go. Obviously, I think we know what the fans will want. I don't think we have a good feel for what ESPN executives currently would want moving forward. And there's published stories out over the last five or seven days that I've read by, and I'm not saying these guys are, are experts, but there is, we need to acknowledge that both the Big Ten and the SEC will renew their contracts prior to 2036 if ESPN chooses to extend the contract to 2036 and take advantage of the ACC grant of rights. The the discrepancy, the difference between payouts is now approaching $60 million by published reports after 2027. It just keeps spiraling worse and worse and worse if those reports are correct. And we'll have Bob, to see what develops. Point, I, I think I think the contract said 4.5% is the escalator in terms of revenue for the ACC as part of this agreement. Yeah. Yeah, no more than 4.5%, I think, in a year, wasn't it? I think and so. And so here's the thing. If you're ESPN, you're getting a great deal. And with the cost of sports rights, you're not going to get as much inventory. And inventory is what they would get by renewing from 27 to 36. Uh, so if you're just looking at the bottom line in your ESPN, I would think they would renew it. But if you go a step further and say by renewing and undervaluing or underpaying the ACC so much that they just become irrelevant, we're, we're now diminishing our own product. So do we want to pay them more? But regardless of what decision they make, I do think that's FSU's most solid footing from a legal standpoint is that how can we have a grant of rights that exists for nine years past a current contract for the rights? That to me seems to be a pretty big hole. Again, I know nothing about being a lawyer, but that just, it doesn't quite feel right that we own your rights till 2036, but we're only going to actually use them till 2027, potentially. It feels like a leverage point that the ACC is using against Florida State. It also feels, feels like a leverage point that Florida State attorneys can use in this argument. So it's a really interesting discussion. And, and again, until ESPN... This isn't John Skipper. This isn't John Skipper, friend of Tobacco Road and the North Carolina schools and John Swafford. This is was it Jimmy Pitaro and, and, the, and the newer ESPN management that I think honestly is looking more at pro sports, what pro sports leagues drive eyeballs toward ESPN Plus and, and the various streaming opportunities there, because there is some revenue there on ESPN Plus that they can bring say NHL, NBA, MLB, whatever, into the fold a little bit more. It seems like it's SEC, but it's not as much college sports. Um, they do seem happy to broadcast mid-majors and elevate lower division sports. They're, they're great at how they profile the March Madness and all these various smaller conferences are, are portrayed throughout the month. But again, what does ACC look like as part of your portfolio from the ESPN standpoint, I, I just don't think we have a feel for it. The one last thing I would just say, guys, and, and none of us knows, this is all just conjecture on our part, but I just find it absolutely amazing that it's deafening, absolutely deafening, that you haven't heard anything from North Carolina and Clemson and Miami. There's been a little bit. I know the North Carolina uh, Board of Governors, the equivalent of the Board of Governors, 
has basically said you've you've got to prove financially for us to um, agree that the University of North Carolina would leave the ACC. Well, that's 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 perfunctory. That's just uh, CYA. But you haven't heard anything pro or con to any degree from UNC, Clemson, and Miami. They are all sitting back with bated breath, hoping, hoping that Florida State is successful in this lawsuit, in my opinion. So, Bob, what do you think it'll look like next February? Do we have a date in February by when ESPN has to do? I'm sure we do. Is it going to be like the old signing day? Are we going to go live to Bristol to see if any, there's going to be two hats up there and one's going to be an ACC hat and one's going to be like a, a collage of every other sports logo in existence and ESPN's going to decide which one they're going to go with? I think that's exactly what you should do. And if, if anybody uses the word footprint, I think we're all doing shots. The only problem every is time, that every is that, time we say footprint, we have to do a shot. That's what you're saying. Yes. Well, the problem is Pete Thamel will leak the news about whether they're renewing or not, like three days before that signing uh, ceremony. So I don't know that we can do that anyway. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back and uh, we'll talk about other things of which we're not experts either, but we'll we'll try to pretend. Uh, Florida State's football newcomers have met the media and uh, Rick Stockstill now on staff. Keith is going to share all the best Rick Stockstill stories from 1980 uh, right after this on Front Row Knowles. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. KJ, I know that you had to uh, really rack the brain to get your best Rick Stockstill stories out there. But uh, he was your quarterback. He was your teammate for how long? And then he was your quarter- starting quarterback in 1980, right? He came in the same group I did. He redshirted, so he was here a year later. So he's he's basically my class. Uh, he was uh, the quarterback of the scout team for three years when uh, Jimmy and Wally were here. Um, he saw very little action. And then all of a sudden, when, when Jimmy Jordan and Wally Willard were gone, he was the starter. And the, the conversation, guys, and this is not disrespectful. This is, this is a compliment. But the conversation from day one, when Rick took over as the starting quarterback, is that he was going to be a coach. He was not going to play in the NFL. He was going to be a coach. And he was so cerebral. He he made many of the things that Monk did on the defensive side look infantile. Rick would be the first to tell you he he was he was okay from a from a talent standpoint. He was not gifted. He was not great. He was okay. But he studied the game. He knew the game plan. He knew what everybody was supposed to do. He would correct anybody who made a mistake. I mean, it was evident from day one that this guy loved football, understood football, and was going to be a coach. And now, forty plus years later, with a with a with an unbelievably gifted record at MPSU, Florida State has him on an off field capacity, and I'm thrilled. Rick and, and, and Sarah and their kids. I mean, they they bleed. They 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 absolutely adore FSU. 
And I am, I am unbelievably thrilled that stock has a chance to come back and be at his alma mater. It, it's, it's a dream come true for me. I hope it's a dream come true for him. We're going to have a new segment in the fall, by the way. Keith is just going to pretend he's speaking directly to Rick about the game plan for the upcoming week, but we're actually going to air it right here on Front Row Knowles, KJ. I'm going to work on the sponsor for that, but that seems like it's got, it's got a future. What do you think? There's a slight chance he may tell me. It's slight, but he still may tell me. <laughs> well, we can just have him on every week to talk about the glorious day when he beat Miami down there and uh, beat him like, you know, with about six 90-yard scoring plays or whatever it was when Middle Tennessee State won that game. Hey, was he the quarterback in 81 also, or was 80 his last year? 81 also, uh, when they had the gauntlet of five away games in the month of October, which they won three. They won three. Yes, he was the starting quarterback. Okay, that's what I was I was thinking that. So he was the Oktoberfest quarterback. All right, Bob, what what has uh, FSU officially announced this news? So he's going to be a, a passing game analyst or offensive analyst. Is that his role here with Florida State? I think in addition to that, he'll never have to buy another beer as long as he's working in Tallahassee. Because if you if you beat Miami and you get three wins during Oktoberfest, that's pretty good. I think the title is somewhere along the lines of director of scouting offense. So I, I think that's that's kind of a broad title to some extent, but I think that's a lot of scouring players in in high school recruiting, junior college transfer portal when that's open, and and you're you're working with Mike Norvell and Derek Rice. I think these are really good jobs for coaches. I I love that that coaches have an opportunity to jump into some of these roles, really to help out with the roster management because. As we've talked about, December is an absolute nightmare for college coaches who are you know, juggling everything from you know, various high school recruiting in the portal and then coaching teams in the bowl games. So to have a, a guy who's been on the sideline, to, who's done the roster management thing, um, Rick is very, very valuable and, and a really good guy who's been back a lot. Honestly, he's, he's been back frequently. He saw him last at the mega camp over in, in June. He was you know, watching prospects for as he was trying to get guys to Middle Tennessee for the future. But, uh, you know, Rick's always been a good guy, always loved Florida State. Um, and remember the the photos that you see of Rick Stockstill on the wire services? He's got the Bobby hat on his Middle Tennessee hats. He's always represented Florida State, I think, in a really classy way, too. This is a tangent, but am I remembering right that Manny Diaz, as his career escalated, spent some time on his staff, or is that totally out of left field? That is also correct. There's okay. been a number of people that have um, spent some time at MTSU and gone on to bigger and better things, no question. Willie Simmons, too, I believe, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. That is okay. also correct. All right, Bob, on uh, Tuesday, a few of the uh, newcomers, uh, speaking of the portal, and, uh, well, or, or just newcomers, new blood in general, I uh, met the media. Did you have a chance to partake? Any early impressions? Based on those interviews, are you now predicting Florida State to go unbeaten again here in the uh, upcoming season? Not just 12-0, and 13-0, and in the 12-team playoff, guaranteed. Book it. It's a good group of guys. It's a good group of guys, really, honestly. And we've only had a chance to meet three so far. Malik Benson, T.J. Ferguson, Devontae Brown, all of them transfers. 
and we'll get to meet a lot of the early enrollee high school kids too. It's it's really neat. I think an early storyline has been Florida State missed out on some of these guys in the first recruitment. These guys come out of high school, right? But because of the success on the field, when they went in the portal, they thought maybe, you know, maybe if Florida State calls, that's an interesting one because of the relationship with Mike Norvell, Alex Atkins, and yes, Adam Floor, the entire staff, right? So we're seeing some success. I mean, there's a good group. I went back through the recruiting profiles of all these kids. A lot of them visited Florida State camps, unofficial visits, official visits. So those relationships are now coming to fruition. And that's what makes you really good is because of those relationships, you're bringing a lot of these guys back to to Florida State. Bob, is it fair to say that we were questioning Coach Norvell and this staff's ability to make contections three years ago, plus or minus? And what we didn't know is how strong the connections that they had made at the high school level really were. And, and we just missed it. I think we've, you know, we'll, we'll, we can go back and look at it to some extent. Those guys who were what year zero coaches that it was their first year in 2020, that had to be a nightmare to walk into a situation. You recruit your butt off and three months later, it's what a 15, 16 month, NCAA dead period, and you can't have a face-to-face conversation with a prospect. That's a nightmare, right? And, and it's a nightmare when you didn't have a staff with Florida State recruiting ties outside of Odell Hagan's and Ron Dugan's. And, and of course, some of those guys did recruit in Florida, but not extensively, not day in, day out through those evaluation periods. I, I think it shows what winning truly means but also just those relationships, the also the continuity of your staff. I, I think it's really an underwritten storyline to some extent. I, I mentioned it last week in a story, though. The continuity of your assistant coaches, to have those guys along for this ride with very little change. Um, again, Forsyth's only going to miss Cooper Williams, the, the offensive line grad assistant, moving forward of your true guys, your 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 head coach, your assistant coaches, there may be some more turnover that that is still to come. But to have that kind of staff continuity, it, it helps in everything that you're doing. It just makes everything much more smoother. So I, I think it is Norvell, but it, it's the whole package too. We're talking with our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante. Always appreciate the insight from the, the gentleman at the uh, Osceola who do great work. Bob, uh, switching gears here, Jordan Travis, we haven't had a chance really to, to talk to him much uh, since his injury. And the Athletic did a did a story on him. I guess he's at one of the All-Star games. I don't know if you had a chance to digest that. But do we really have any kind of a time frame or idea on when physically – he's going to be back and can actually get out there and uh, perform, so to speak, for NFL teams? Yeah, you're right. It was a good story by the Athletic. He was over in Dallas or, or Frisco, Texas, doing a lot of those, uh, doing the interviews with the NFL scouts and, and executives who are there. He's throwing the ball around. He's not exactly um, 
ready to do a lot of on-field work. He's getting to a point gradually. You know, where might he be in March? Say when Florida State holds its pro day. I don't know if he's going to be full go by that point, but he's got an opportunity to really meet face-to-face. And as we all know, Jordan, a little bit of an introvert, but a guy who you can sit one-on-one with and be super impressed with who he is as a person and what he knows as a football player. And look, I think Jordan, to some extent, was looked at as a, what, middle of the draft, something of a flyer from a quarterback standpoint for a lot of NFL teams. But now he's got a chance to get truly a guy at almost any round later in this draft who, what, we don't think he could be a, a backup for a long time in the NFL, a smart guy who can learn and 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 just soak it all up day after day working with the NFL teams. I, I think Jordan has a really promising future ahead of him. And guys, let me, I, I'm not, I have no reason to say this other than want, I want to say it. Won't surprise me if he is a reasonably full participant at Pro Day and and goes to the Combine and puts up some numbers and, and represents himself. We have underestimated him almost his entire career until his senior year, and he's proved us wrong almost every time we've turned around, has he not? Yeah, I would agree I mean, with he's, that. He's impressive. Everything he's done has been impressive, absolutely. So this isn't the perfect comparison in terms of the same player, but, you know, watching the NFL the other day, I didn't really have Brock Purdy on my radar to be a guy that was uh, going to be winning games and going to the Super Bowl. And I I just looked this up, and I'm not saying they're the same guy, but but Purdy at Iowa State, his his career rating was 151.1 and Jordan's at FSU was 150.8. So they're separated by three tenths of a point. Again, I'm not saying Jordan is Purdy. I think really more to the point and, and to think of the other quarterback, maybe I was just missing it. Was there a ton of hype for Patrick Mahomes when he came out or have we been shocked that he's now gone to the championship game six years in a row and four Super Bowls in five years? My point is you hear about all these guys and 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 Brady being the GOAT, right, who was a six-round pick and Brock Purdy was the last pick in the draft. You just don't know. And I think to some extent with the salary cap, the way it is in the NFL, you're always kind of looking for that low-cost quarterback who can be a reliable backup and, and again, learn and be in an exciting role. I mean, why are the 49ers so successful? I mean, Brock Purdy's really good. He's still working off a rookie contract, and they've got some stars around him, so they're able to work the salary cap around this this young quarterback who's got, what, Christian McCaffrey and Ayuk and, and Debo and all these talented, George Kittle, all these talented skill guys. So it, there is value in having a young quarterback who just knows the game and loves it and learns, and he can step into a role. Who knows? Don't ever, ever underestimate this concept called a chip on your shoulder. Brady played 20 years, 21 years, with a chip on his shoulder. I think Mahomes has a chip on his shoulder. 
you come out, you're the number one pick, you're the overall number one pick. There's there's a whole bunch of expectations associated with that. But then you look at a at a at a Mahomes, you look at a Purdy, you look at a you look at a Jordan Travis. They, they're not going to be drafted in the first round. They weren't drafted in the first round. Playing with a chip on your shoulder is an unbelievably motivating thing. Again, repeating myself, just look at Brady. 20, 21, 22 years in the league. He still felt like he had been disrespected in the draft and played like it. You mentioned Rick Stockstill. You knew he was going to be a coach. Now, Jordan's a better athlete and has a better chance at the next level than Stockstill did. But do you see Jordan as a coach when this is done? I personally do. But but I do think he has a chance to have a 10 or 12-year career in the NFL. Maybe not the entire time as a starter. But uh, an opportunity to play and, and to prove his worth uh, and then go into coaching, yeah, I, I absolutely think he has an opportunity to do that if he chooses to. He's got a good personality for it. I mean, a good mentor for, I think, the younger quarterbacks on the roster through the years. I think there's there's a lot of opportunities there. I mean, we saw it with uh, with Mackenzie Milton just a couple of years ago, and he's moved, transitioned into coaching. It's it's a really good opportunity that a lot of, not just quarterbacks, I think we're using quarterbacks as an example here, but a lot of good opportunities for college players to, to transition into coaching if that's what they want. Hey, to do. how about James Colsey? New head coach at FAMU. Don't know what he's going to do. Everything's in front of him, but I like the hire. I really like the hire. I'm excited for him when I saw that news. It's been a few years since I know he's been in town on FAMU staff for a couple of years. I ran into him in Miami at a, a booster event or something a few years ago. I think it was when Willie Taggart was coaching. That was He was coaching in uh, – was he coaching in Nova Scotia or can he was coaching somewhere outside of I think it was Nova Scotia somewhere or, or British Columbia? He, he's had a very very career, a very very career. That's a proper English use of the language. Uh, but I, I mean, I've always been impressed with James. I don't know him well. We're not best buddies, but I've always enjoyed watching him play, and I've always followed him when he's coaching. I, I think it's a great hire for FAMU. Wish him the best of luck. All right. Hey, Bob, we'll let you get going. Appreciate your insight. Take care, guys. More Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. wrap things up here over the last few minutes always enjoy the conversation with uh bob frante you know we talked a, a little bit about uh, rick stockstill do you think maybe fsu is now going to become the home for wayward coaches as they're uh looking to rejuvenate their careers or just stop off and, and polish up that resume well I, I i don't know about that and and then specifically as it relates to rick you know he's my age so we're in our mid-60s i don't know I, i've not talked to him specifically although i've talked with him I've not talked to him specifically about whether he would want to get back into an on-field position. But I do know this, that, that Saban, Coach Saban, one of the things that, that you have to admire about Coach Saban is he was not afraid to bring in people 
that arguably were as talented as coach as he is. In other words, he surrounded himself with good people. He didn't shy away from that. He understood that he could bring in people and maybe they had other career interests. And so they were only going to be at Alabama for a year or two or three, and they're going to move on. I think Coach Norvell is the same way. He's not intimidated by bringing in a Shannon, a Coach Shannon, who, who coached at Miami. He's not intimidated by bringing in a, in a Rick Stockstill, who had almost a 20-year career as a head coach. He's willing and able and confident in surrounding himself with good people to make sure that his program excels. And by no means am I putting Coach Norvell in a, in a Nick Saban role right this second. But the principle is the same. Surround yourself with capable people. Surround yourself with competent people. Surround yourself with people that want to better themselves and let them contribute and be a part of you building your program. And don't shy away from that. And it appears, at least at face value early on, Coach Norvell is of that same mindset. That's been my philosophy with this podcast, Keith, just so you know. So thank you. Actually, it's been my philosophy. Neither one of us has got nothing. Please continue. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, football, we're we're trying to make it into a year-round sport. But uh, truth be told, we've got uh, outside sports coming up. We've got softball and baseball. We'll, We'll dive into them. Uh, the blocks renewed their season tickets for baseball. The weather's going to warm up, so I'm excited about that. And uh, then, before you know it, we will be back to football. We'll we'll uh, get that little tease in April with the spring game before the long summer drought and then fall camp. And we continue to see uh, uh, sometimes off and on, but continue to see improvement on the basketball hard court. Florida State fought very very well against uh, UNC through 20, 22, 25 minutes. Uh, you know, the, the, the women are, are poised to excel and, and, and I don't know how many 30 point games you can have in your career, but, but, uh, whatever the record is, it's going to be broken. All um, of them is what she's, she's working on. Oh, All unbelievable. Right, KG. What's that? Unbelievable. We will, uh, do this again next week as we do, uh, comes your way airs at, uh, noon on Wednesdays on 93.3 Real Talk in Tallahassee and then turns into the podcast. Uh, Keith, uh, as always, enjoy it, sir. Have a good week. I'll catch you next week. You as well. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. This is Front Row Knowles.